Hey everybody, so I am recording this on a different device and I'm recording in my apartment because I'm still kind of learning all of the mechanisms for this device and also kind of figuring out what works best in a car. Um, and so far I haven't figured out what that is. I'll probably do some tests on Friday on my way to and from work. But uh, I wanted to talk today about, well, two things, but the first thing is a, a topic suggested by Jonah Sutton Morse, which is about the value of book reviews. In this case, I really gonna, I'm just going to take a very subjective view because I feel like the value of a book award depends entirely upon the individual, and I can't really speak for their value in the larger sense. I don't think that I, I would be even reasonable for me to try to suggest their value in the larger sense, so I won't try to suggest that. Um, the So uh, essentially, uh, the value for book reviews for me is they just don't have much value. I don't read book reviews very often. I follow a lot of book review websites, but I follow them for their commentary and for their discussion of work versus their reviews of work. It's not that I don't think book reviews have a value. They just aren't of use to me for finding works I want to read. Occasionally, I'll make exceptions if the work, if the review is something like a critical review where there's sort of an in-depth discussion of a work and its themes and ideas and yada yada, that will more likely entice me than, say, a review in which somebody's saying, like, this is why I liked it, this is why I didn't like it, yada yada. So as a general rule, I kind of just don't read reviews. Um, if I get recommendations, in fact, what I, what I find most valuable is recommendations from people I know or whose opinions about books I already share. Now, obviously, some of that will come from their reviews. If they review books, it's likely that they've liked the books that I like, and so I have a far, I'm far more likely to take stock in their recommendations. And indeed, and you know, when I, I take recommendations from friends, I, I end up buying a lot more books than if I were to just read reviews because honestly I find reviews sometimes very boring and I don't want to read reviews all of the time because of that because that dullness it's kind of just me you know here's this person talking about their personal views of a book I get that kind of stuff at work all the time and it's just not for me um, for other people it's great so suggestions and recommendations is usually where I go. The other thing that'll make me buy books is actually conversations. If I'm on Twitter or Google Plus or Facebook or wherever, even on a blog, if there's a conversation about a work that I find really interesting, it's very likely I'll be interested in the book. I mean, this has happened a couple of times. Most recently, in the last year, I can think of two very easy, big examples. One being uh, Memory of Water by Emmy Yedaranta, which is an exceptional work. I heard about that book. Well, part of it I heard because of the World SF Tour on the Skiffy and Fanny show. Part of it was I, uh, I saw Justin Landon babbling about it on Twitter and saying very kind things. He also wrote a very glowing review, but he talked a lot about that book. He really, really enjoyed it. And that enticed me. That made me interested. And so I ended up wanting to review it, wanting to interview the author, etc., etc. Another more recent example is The Grace of Kings. Now, I was already going to buy that book. I just hadn't intended to buy it so soon, but the conversation that exploded about it on Twitter really intrigued me. I mean, it, there were conversations about it being somewhat different than fantasy as we typically think about it and being kind of just a little bit out there. I mean, it's about topics that generally people don't want to talk about. I mean, taxation for one, like who actually wants to read a book about taxation? Well, I kind of do. So I ended up buying that book and started reading it for that exact reason. And that happens to me a lot. In fact, half the time the books I buy are based on recommendations from people whose opinions I trust. 
um, either directly or through conversations they have online, either with themselves, you know, speaking on Twitter into the ether, uh, or with other people. So that for me is where I get more and more value. And, and I think, you know, I, I make that the, the distinct, these sort of distinctions between book review, recommendation, and conversation because um, I think all of, well, I think the intent of a book review, except for critical reviews, is to tell someone whether or not they'll be interested in a book. And that to me is oftentimes very artificial. It's too transparent that that's what's happening. And I rather want to get interested in a book because there's some something's being said about a book. There's some conversation. And so I think I make those distinctions between book review as a format that has a very particular mode and these others which don't necessarily have that mode but can have the same effect. And I think I like the effect more than I like the mode. So that's kind of what I wanted to say about that. The other thing I wanted to talk about is actually a book, which I'm reading right now for Strange Horizons, and I'm really enjoying it. It's a book by Caroline Ives Gilman called Dark Orbit. It's a science fiction novel. It is... I would say, I want to say it's almost hard SF, but I don't know how accurate its science is. Uh, it deals with a, well, it, it it deals with things like time dilation in which people are being transported. Essentially, I think, if I'm understanding correctly, they're being beamed across great distances and being received and reconstituted, essentially, across vast distances. So there's a whole class of people in this world who's have severed all ties with normal civilization and all they do is they bounce from point to point to point and each time they bounce they're losing you know decades of time essentially not in terms of their the length of their own individual lives but in terms of their connection to the world and i find that really fascinating but it also is dealing with these uh these survey ships that were sent out with the intent of you know, looking for habitable worlds, and then eventually you could beam into the ships from other space stations and do research or perhaps even live on these worlds. And one ship actually suddenly sends a message out of the blue, and they thought it was gone and those kinds of things. And so a scientific mission is sent because the world that they find is in a dense pocket of dark matter, and the effects dark matter is having on this planet are well so fascinating they want to send a team to actually research it in the process the main character has basically been hired by this massive corporate entity to keep an eye on one of the members of that crew who is a member of a very important family and who also may be in some trouble because of her past it turns out that that's exactly true. There is a murder, and it, it seems clear that it was an assassination attempt, at least to our main character. And so the result of that is, well, a little bit of detective work while surveying a planet that is full of caves and uh, gla- uh, like glass-like trees that have mirrors and weird dimensional anomalies and all kinds of crazy-looking stuff. It's really fun, and I'm really enjoying the kind of weirdness of the world. And I also really, really like that we have another novel that's dealing with long-distance travel that, you know, even even faster than light, or even light speed, as it were, um, this has got to be faster than light. Uh, dealing with that level of travel, but also taking into account dilation of time and loss of time itself, I really appreciate that because... That's one of the things I loved about the Forever War 
is that that was a book that dealt with characters who were increasingly being moved away from their their point of origin, as it were, because they kept going further and further out. And, you know, obviously that in Forever War, it's a metaphor, right? It's a metaphor in a sense for the costs of war, you know, people who go to war and then come back and don't quite recognize the world they left behind because it's changed in some cases um, or they have changed so much they don't recognize that world. Um, and that's part of what I loved about the Forever War. Now, this book, Dark Orbit, doesn't really deal too much with the people who return and the impact that that has on them, um, but it does deal with the fact that uh, you're you're a person who's going you know decades and decades in every direction, and you could have a job that you could take, and 50 years later could have disappeared. Um, and in the case of the main character, her career tanks because some things happen where people question the validity of one of her research projects while she's in transit for decades and the case basically occurs and ends while she's in transit so she can't even defend herself and it's sort of been it puts her between a rock and a hard place she can't she can't not take this new job i love that kind of stuff in science fiction i love thinking about the implications of a technology like that that's really really fun so on that note, I think I'm going to shut up and I'm going to let you all get back to your day. If you've got any comments about either of the topics I covered today, feel free to leave a comment in the uh, in the blog post there. So, yeah, on that note, uh, take care. Peace.